When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Crossed Up. I'm Bob Wankel alongside Anthony Sanfilippo, and it's it's breakfast with the boys here on a, on a Tuesday morning, Anthony. You're, yeah, you're don't, don't mind me I while I sit here with my uh, raisin toast and cream cheese. I got my coffee, you know, <laughs> so we're, we're settling in for a, a morning of uh, some Phillies talk off of a disappointing weekend. You know, last time we talked, it was ahead of the Mets series, and Phillies were wrapping up a four-game sweep of the Rockies, and I think that we felt going in that they had an opportunity to win a series. And, you know, they did have an opportunity to win a series going into Sunday Night Baseball. And if I would have told you before that game that the offense was going to bang multiple homers off of Max Scherzer and that Kyle Schwarber was going to give the Phillies two separate leads, you would have felt pretty good about that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I actually felt pretty good about it watching the game. Like even you know, even though it didn't work out, Bob, I kind of felt good about it watching it along the way. Like you know what, Eflin didn't give us the start that we needed, but here they are, and it still went to hell. So you wake up on May third, and the Phillies are on a or coming off of an off day, and they have this series now with the Rangers before they they host the Mets for four more at Citizens Bank Park this upcoming weekend. And I guess my question to you at this point is. Was this just a series in late April, early May? We made it out last week, at least I did, that it was an important series. You know, this was one that they needed to win. They didn't. You know, the Mets lose on Monday night in the opener to the Braves. Phillies have really only lost a half game since we last talked. You know, or was that series a a larger representation of more glaring issues? And I think that that's really where most Phillies fans are probably at this morning. Is it the same old Phillies? Did that series truly show us anything, or was it just three games kind of clumped into a 162 marathon? Yeah, I, I, I tend to, I tend to put it on hold just to give you an answer on that yet because they're playing them so quickly again this week, and I want to take all seven games against the Mets kind of collectively and say, okay, now let's make a decision. You know, where what does this mean? Do these games mean? I think that that's you know, obviously you don't want. You don't ever want to get no hit, okay? So getting no hit on Friday. I didn't even lead with that, you know. I mean, yeah. So that, that's a that's a bad start. Um, and then it didn't look good early Saturday either. Like Saturday was like, oh my god, here we go again. You know, it's like there's six six what five innings, six innings in before they got a run. It's like, my god, what's the what the hell's wrong with this team? But then they did what they needed to do, and really got some good pitching on Saturday, good bullpen on Saturday. You're like, all right, that was a nice win. And then come out, like you said, Sunday hit four home runs off of Scherzer. And you're like, this is what you this is what you wanted. This is what you wanted to see. It was kind of intense, right? The game had some – and then they threw at Schwarber in the ninth inning and guys get suspended and, you know, the Mets are all pissed off because they had a guy thrown at the inning before. Whatever. I mean, it's, it's good. It fuels it. 
Let's take a few days off, and we'll reconvene at Citizens Bank Park. And now let's see what happens in those four games. I think after that, after this weekend, we can take the seven games collectively against the Mets and say, okay, here's where we are matched up with this team for the next couple of months. Yeah, I think that's entirely fair. I watched this weekend kind of play out, and I guess I wasn't all that surprised by what I saw. I mean, certainly I didn't expect the Phillies to be no hit on Friday night, and I truly did not believe, and we talked about him last week, uh, we both like Zach Eflin, think he's a, a nice piece, but he was terrible on Sunday night. He gave them absolutely nothing, and had he even given them uh, just a so-so start, they'd probably find themselves walking out in New York two out of three, and he just was not able to do it. I thought that, that was... Really, the most disappointing thing of the entire weekend, uh, as I size it up, the, the, the five-pitcher combined no-hitter, it's embarrassing. You never want to be no-hit. It's a bad look. But that, to me, wasn't, um, you know, that doesn't demonstrate that this team can't hit or that they have no offense. I mean, good teams, it, it happens. You know, it, it will happen from time to time, and I'm not overly concerned about that. And it's weird. I stepped back yesterday, and I'm like, you know, if, if you look at this this weekend, and people were very upset on Sunday night. It's like, same old Phillies, 11 straight years. This is, you know, sell the team. Like, the, you know, there were a lot of people that were really upset watching the game on, on Sunday night. And again, nationally televised, don't play well, getting beat over your head by the Mets. You're 2-4 and four against them through six games. But I guess I took more of an approach where it was like, okay, like this is, if you're a Phillies fan, like this is mildly annoying, but I don't think it's, it necessarily determines anything, and that's sort of where I'm still at this morning. And I have to tell you, I, I thought we were going to spend a lot of time talking about the hit-by-pitch thing. I know we got into it a little bit last week. The only thing I'll say about it is, who cares? Like, you watch the Phillies lose two out of three at the end of that series, and, you know, you got Girardi asking the umpire, what are you going to do about it? Like, I just had no appetite for that entire sequence. It makes these upcoming games a little bit more interesting, and we'll see what happens. But I don't really have like any feeling whatsoever at the end of that game, other than that Mets fans looked absolutely ridiculous, and you know, play better, Phillies. You know, you want you want to get tough. Like if, if that's like you want to get back at them, like play better. But the Phillies certainly weren't trying to hit the Mets in that game, and you know, I think they went inside of Schwarber, tried to hit him, and then I don't think they meant to hit Bone. To be honest with you, I don't hate that they weren't remo- You know that there wasn't an immediate ejection. I just I honestly think that that was totally accidental. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they threw in on Schwarber. That might have been intentional. Oh yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah Schwarber yes, Bone. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, Bone probably not. Bone probably not. But you, you could tell. I mean, first of all, you want to talk about old school. I mean, Showalter's as old school as it gets. I mean, sure, Showalter might as well have been might as well be uh, you know. Whitey Herzog or or uh, Earl Weaver, even. Right? I mean, those are the kinds of you know guys I harken back to with the, with the way that he manages games. Um, but um, so you so you know you're gonna you're gonna kind of get that a little bit from the Mets. And look, I get it. they're they're trying to win, ride emotion right now. That the Mets are trying to win off that a little bit. You can see by the way they play, like simple plays. I mean, you know, they get all fired up over simple plays. I think it's a thing that they feel like they need in order to succeed, right? Something we talked about, about the Phillies when they were struggling, lacking a little bit of emotion. I, I think that the Mets feel like they need that to be a good team. Otherwise, they might not be as good as they, as they are. It's, it's very interesting. Uh, before one of the Mets games over the weekend, uh, 
Howie Rose, right? Uh, one of their media guys, yeah. one of their, you know, one of their uh, broadcasters was talking about how the team has sort of rallied around Buck Showalter, and you know, every time there's an incident, Showalter comes to the top step and he's staring somebody down, and that the team is feeding off of that. And we talked about this last week with Girardi and how we don't, you don't really see that with Joe. And it is interesting because you do watch everything unfold again on Sunday night. And it was a week after on national TV that he doesn't really go out and and chase Angel Hernandez. He doesn't really get uh, upset to the point where you can see it. And you just kind of, again, it goes back to, for me, and I think it's a conversation we're going to have multiple times throughout the season I just don't see a lot of juice from this guy. I just don't. And it's it's remains my biggest criticism of him. Um, I don't see consistently a lot of energy. I don't think that his teams play with a lot of energy. I think that showed up again this weekend in New York. And I'm just, I'm waiting to see it. And I have to tell you, you know, we kind of laughed in, at the idea of, of firing Joe Girardi early in the season. I still don't think that that's the way to go. I, I still think that that's completely ridiculous. But I will say this. They're seven series in now. They've won two of them. And the Rockies basically said, here you go. Like, we're going to make two errors a game at the beginning of the game and just give you runs, and you can run with that. So I am kind of starting to wonder here, like, if the Phillies are good, which we suspect that they are better than they're playing, it, it is like time to start seeing it. We're in May now. It's, it's not the first week of the season anymore. We're approaching the 30-game point here. It's, it's like time to go a little bit. And they've just not, cons- I mean, they've been consistently bad, really. I mean, five out of seven series is terrible. Yeah. but I, mean, I actually think that they're lucky to be 11 and 12 this morning. I do. And I think that they'll probably take two from the Rangers. And they'll probably show a little life this weekend. And we'll be talking a week from now about the, you know, I don't know how the numbers work out. What is it, six games and they're 11 and 12? 16 and 13. Yeah, or the 15 and 14 Phillies. Like, I just, it's like, make a move, man. Just make a move. Run from the pack. Fall behind the pack. Yeah, but let's, I mean, you say that. And now let's just say, let's say they take the two from the Rangers because the Rangers flat out suck, right? Let's just say they win those two. And if you, all right, I'm going to say three or four from the Mets. You want to say they split. Let's, whatever. Let's, either way, regardless. So you got a four-game sweep of Colorado, bad team, and you sweep them four games. Two-game sweep of Texas, bad team, and you sweep them those two games. Okay? And then in the Mets, let's say you kind of split it. I mean, you can't really split it. I mean, it's f- seven games, right? So three or f- three and four, four and three, whatever you want to look at. If you're 10 and three, nine and four in those games, like and again, look, what, what have you done for me lately? I can't go back and, you know, revisit the beginning of April when, you know, it was just kind of like extended spring training. But you look at those games and you say nine and four, ten and three. I, I I don't have a problem with it. I really don't. I mean, you can't get to fifteen games over five hundred in two nights. I mean, you have to kind of it's it's a it's a it's a process right, to get there. So like, if you're five games over in in, in thirteen at nine and four, I'll, hell, I'll take it. I'll take nine and four every thirteen games. Sure. So. It's the, and I know a lot of people have seen this now, it's 500 at the end of April in 2019, 500 at the end of the first month in 20, 500 at the, I mean, it's just, it's, I feel like this team is perpetually flirting with 500 and it's like, how many times over the last three or four seasons has it been, well, tonight with a win, they can move back to 500 and I just feel like 
from a mental standpoint that it's like Groundhog Day. It's just watching the same thing over and over again. And, and what I expect, you know, honestly, what I expect is two against the Rangers, a loss on Friday, or a loss on Thursday, a win on Friday, a loss on Saturday, a win on Sunday. Like, this team, to me, I just... I said it when we first started recording again, and I it it's not based on analysis. It's not based on data. It's just this observation. The team still feels like a slog to me, and the whole thing that I'm I'm kind of coming back to is the one consistent part of it for the last three years has been the manager. I just don't feel like this team has any juice at all. There's no juice on this team. I don't see it. Let me ask you this then. No, sixth inning on Saturday night. I guess it was fifth inning, sixth inning. Sixth inning, I think it was. When Odubel's on third, one out. Ground ball to Lindor. And kind of catches him, take one step off the bag. Throws the third instead of throws the first. They, they catch Odubel off the bag. Lindor's fist pumping and firing out. Everybody's going nuts and they're yelling and screaming. You know, let's go and all this stuff. In a one nothing game in April, okay, in the sixth inning. Uh-huh. How much further do you have to go beyond that? If that if you're playing at that level where you are so fired up to we that think point you're burning themselves out, basically. It's not that you're burning yourself out, it's just that you don't in a one hundred and sixty two game season, you don't have anywhere else to go. To me, it's like a this is a comparison I'll make. It's like a broadcaster who lo- you know, loses it in the first inning or the, or the first quarter of a football game on a, on a touchdown as if that's the game. You know, like that's the biggest play of the game. And then where do you go from there? You actually have to have a buildup. And I think that, look, it's fine to play with emotion. I'm not trying to say you shouldn't play with emotion. But if you could either be if, – if you're asking me, would I rather the team kind of be where they are right now at the Phillies – would I rather them be so fired up that they, you know, that they have nowhere else to go like the Mets are? I'll take where the Phillies are right now. Because I don't think that the Mets have another level. I think what you're the, the Mets' other level is cross our fingers, Jacob DeGrom can come back and pitch the second half of the season. There is no further height that they can get to. They are playing their best baseball, their most their most passionate baseball right now, and they're gonna have to figure out a way to do that in May, June, July, August, September, October. I don't know if that's sustainable. The Phillies are not playing their best baseball, but we've seen flashes of it, and we see like, okay, maybe now it comes in a four-game series against Colorado. I know maybe they win, maybe they win four out of six here this week with Texas and 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 the and the Mets. And if they do, okay, well now we're starting to see something build. We're starting to see it build. I'd rather take the slower build and get to the point where the Mets are right now later in the season then be there now and have nowhere else to go and have it fall. Like, it's a sugar high, right? And that's the way I look at it. And I don't want them to crash off of the sugar high. So do you look at the Mets and say, this is a team that is just playing with their hair on fire right now, and this is kind of all they are, and they are going to fall off? Or do you look at the Mets and say, wow, you know, they have very good starting pitching. You get into the back end of that bullpen, it's been pretty good. Uh, They seem to have an annoying lineup, I'll call it. You know, I, I wouldn't say that it's a... An over uh, an overwhelming lineup, but it's it's an annoying lineup. Mm-hmm. I came across, you know, I've come away from watching the Mets, the six games with the Phillies so far, and I've, I've caught some Mets games here and there. 
I'm fairly impressed with that team. They're better than they were. But I still think that they have weaknesses that will that will rear their heads. I like the fact that they added some veteran players who are not going to to, to lose it when things go bad, like a Starling Marte, um, you know that kind of that kind of player. Obviously, Scherzer is, is huge in in that spot, you know, uh, in the rotation. I mean, these guys know how to win. They 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 they've played winning baseball before, and they're really good players. Um, I mean, even the guys from that they got from Oakland in in, in Kana and um, and Bassett. I mean, they're not, you know, they've not won anything major, but at least have been on winning teams and, and know how to compete. So, so I think that they improve the team in that regard. But the things that the things that they're doing well, aside from starting pitching, I I I don't I don't think it's I don't think that they will hold up. I just don't I I don't love the lineup. I really don't. Like you said, it's annoying. Brandon Nimmo's got you know a hate the face kind of guy and I mean, really really I mean, really every time he comes up to the plate you know the the way he kind of smirks at you I almost want to just smack the guy um, you know but he gets on base okay great um, you know Marte's a player boy man you wish you had him here but do you see the adventures he had in right field against the Phillies I mean he made a couple catches that like. He should not have necessarily, had. not necessarily the best routes to the yeah, ball, but yeah. made, made the plays no less. So. Yeah, made the plays, but I mean, at the same time, are, is he going to make that play all the time? Maybe not. Maybe Marte's not as maybe he's now that he's thirty three. You know, he's not as as good in the outfield as he once was. Maybe that'll catch up to him a little bit. Look, I, one, I, I know Diaz is off is on you know off to a tremendous start as their closer, but we've seen it before, man. The guy implodes. He gives up home runs. He, he walks a lot of people. He's a mental case sometimes. Like, I, I, I can't trust this after seeing it for one month. I just can't. I think that there's a lot of things that could go wrong with New York. Yeah, and I, I think that that's fair. I think what I'm trying to do when I look at the Mets is decide what's real and what's not. And when you look at their team numbers, like, if you go team-wide offensively, they lead baseball right now in war. I mean, so... Like the, the production has been there. They lead all of Major League Baseball in on-base percentage. They have the second-highest team batting average. They're number five overall in OPS. The Phillies are number four, uh, to give that some context. So, I mean, the offensive output has been there. And, you know, I just described the first word that came to mind when, when I described the Mets, deep, a deep offense, and an annoying offense. But I wouldn't necessarily call it potent. But so far, the numbers kind of say that they... They have one of the best offenses in all of baseball. And that's where I kind of start to see maybe the regression happening a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Lindor's got to be better than he was last year, right? I mean, there's no question. He's a, he's a talent. Um, and, and he had a really down year for, for the Mets last year. So he's got to be better. So that automatically, I think, just him alone, you have to see – you're going to see improvement – um, Alonzo is Alonzo. He's going to do what he does. McNeil had a down year last year, so we assume he bounces back a little bit as well, batting average, at least batting average. Right? He hit 240 last year, and the three seasons before that, I think it was like a, right around 300 all, all, all three seasons. So you expect a little bit of a bounce back there. And adding Marte, like I said, adding Marte, you know, helps helps the lineup a little bit too. So, yeah, it's improved, but like, there's nothing other than, other than Alonzo in the middle of the line. Is there anybody in that lineup that you can sit there and go, oh, man. This guy coming up in this in this spot is scares the yeah, I mean, Don Smith has been a player over the last couple of years that has given the Phillies some problems. I mean, but but they now have four Phillies now have four left-handed pitchers in the bullpen, right? Or supposedly have or, they did at one point. They might have three <laughs> right now, right? Yeah. But I mean, so, but the idea is, is that they can match. They want to match up with you. 
Yeah. Didn't match up on, against them on Sunday night. No, uh, we'll say that. So, they I mean, just play devil's advocate. I mean, I, I hear you. Um, and I'm not telling you that the Mets are en route to 110 wins here, but I do think that they're a, a good team. And I don't think that they're a team that is just going to totally fade and win, you know, 79 games, 81 games. I think that this, I think of nothing else, we're seeing that this team is an 85 yeah, sure. to 90, maybe even 92, 93 win team. So, point being here, if I'm the Phillies, it's like, yo, it's time to go, man. Like, and that's, that's what I keep coming back to. So we talk a little bit about the Mets and are they real or not? Let me throw out some numbers at you here on the Phillies side of things. Mm -hmm. So we talk about team wide, the OPS and baseball from an offensive standpoint, all across the game, it's down right now. It's way down. And to put that into context, if I tell you this morning, Phillies have the fourth best OPS as a team across across baseball. Have you been have you been overwhelmed by the Phillies' offense to this point? No, but I mean, uh, it's the home runs. Is right. I mean, what it is. I mean, you know, you get, the, you get four home runs in a game. That's going to really help your OPS, right? Yeah, absolutely. So now you look at this on more of an individual basis, right? And I mean, here you go. If I would have told you three, four days ago, Kyle Schwarber would have the highest OPS amongst. Himself, Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, Alec Bohm, uh, and Reese Hoskins and JT Real Muto of that this whole like this whole idea like let's bring in all these all these big bats and ball goes boom and bombers on broad and all this other bullshit. Like here's Kyle Schwarber who's been horrible up until this past weekend and now he's got the best OPS on the entire team and he's hitting two hundred. So yeah, my well, question becomes. Oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I, I'll, I'll let you ask the question, and then I'll, I think my answer will be the same either way. But go ahead. So my question becomes this. Like, you know, 23 games in, one good game can really sway the numbers, uh, as evidenced by what we've seen here this weekend. Castellanos wasn't very good. You know, he was he was red hot. Well, uh, now, you know, 810, eh, whatever. Schwarber goes crazy in New York, up to 838. So I just look at this whole thing, and... I guess maybe one by one, do you think that these the, the starts of the following players are reason for concern? And it starts with Reese Hoskins for me, mm-hmm. who wakes up this morning hitting 200 with a 300 on base percentage and a 664 OPS. I mean, Reese Hoskins has two home runs right now through 23 games in 80 at-bats. He doesn't play defense. So what what is he doing at this point? Yeah. And you know, so are you concerned about Reese Hoskins? I am. I am. He's not the only one, but he I am concerned about Reese, yes. Are you concerned about JT Real Muto, who wakes up hitting two fifty six with a six seventy two OPS this morning and has one home run in twenty one games? Um, a little bit less concerned, but I will tell you that I, I do think that he's looked a little bit more like a guess hitter this year, Bob. Then in, then in seasons past, I, I've always liked his approach a lot better. Before, now it looks like he's like just lunging at, at stuff left, right, and center. And it's like, man, what's what's up with what's up with real with real Muto at the plate? So yeah, I, I'm a little concerned. Not as concerned as Hoskins, but a, but yes, a little bit concerned. Uh, Nick Castellanos, just a bad series. Yeah, just a bad there. series. Yeah, I think I he's still agree. he's still 358 on base, 810 OPS. Yeah. You know, he, he's not hitting the ball out of the park yet, but it's also not been the weather to kind of weather. I mean, he's had a lot of balls. You've, you've hit a lot of deep flyouts, right? That if you think in you know a month or two from now, those are probably going to carry over a wall. 
I agree. I'd like to see a little bit more power there. I'm sure everybody would, but I'm not uh, overly concerned with him at all. And I mean, the numbers are still pretty good here. I yeah. mean, we're not talking about a guy that's that's struggling overall. And then Bryce Harper, um, just kind of, you know, been okay. Like You kind of look at him and you go, okay, 253, 810 OPS, four homers, second on the team in RBIs, 15. Just kind of, you know, I'm not overwhelmed by him, but okay. Kind of where, kind of where he was at this time last year. Yeah. And I mean, he ends up winning the MVP. So, so I'm no, I'm not worried about him. I'll, but the one name you didn't mention, there's one name you didn't mention that's really concerning me right now. That's Gene Segura. Yeah, hitting 229. And he's your leadoff hitter. Well, I, I wonder for how much longer. Uh, you know, at well, what point? What at what point does Kyle Schwarber go back into the leadoff spot, which is where he was supposed to be all along? Yeah, but if he's if he's your most productive offensive player right now. Do you want him leading off? You know, hey, listen, I'm just telling you that when they did the <laughs> signing, this is the way that they that they expected it to go. No, I, now he's starting to catch fire a little bit. So, you know, do you do it? And I know that you, I know who you want to be the leadoff hitter. My only, my only issue with it, it has nothing to do from a strategic standpoint or a, a left-right split standpoint. I just, I think it comes back to a buy-in standpoint. And so when you tell me that you think Bryce Harper should hit leadoff for this team, I say, yes, it makes a lot of baseball sense. But I don't know that the player really wants to do it. And given the clout that he has, you know, I just don't know that you're going to see it. That's all. I'm not saying it has to be long-term. But I think if you, I think if you have the conversation with him and say, hey, Bryce, listen. We've gotten zero production out of that leadoff spot this year. No matter who we've put there, it, no one's no one's getting on base. No one's hitting. No one's doing anything. Last year, we, we had to rely on you to carry this team by yourself, and you almost single-handedly carried this team to a playoff spot last year with all the injuries and all the shortcomings that it had. The way you played carried this team. We need you to carry us again, but in a slightly different way. We need you to carry us at the top of the order. We need you to be the person who kind of lights the fire on a nightly basis. Because we have some guys who are going to hit behind you and some guys who are going to do some good things. And I think that you might be able to convince him a little bit more now, Bob, since there's no more pitcher batting, right? So the bottom of the lineup is, is an actual batter that gives him an opportunity to drive in runs still. You know, I mean, it, we, we could talk about Mr. Number 37, who nobody likes to name. Um, but once again, you know, con who continues to do some good things at the plate when he's when he's playing. Again, very small sample of 24 plate appearances, but 318, three, you know, batting average, you know, 1152 OPS, um, and he's batting ninth. So, like, you know, if if you have guys down there who can who can get on base and do and you know help turn that lineup over, it gives it gives Harper still his opportunities to drive in runs. Um, and maybe if you put a Segura towards the bottom of the lineup with less pressure, he becomes a better, you know, he becomes Gene Segura again. And in a lot of ways, it becomes like, a, you know, Harper hitting third if you go eight, nine, if you're, if you're going Segura, Herrera, Harper, right? I mean, almost kind of as the lineup turns over. It's only one at bat, really, where he's leading off. So just to put into context, well, two things that we'll talk about here. One the Phillies' leadoff uh, spot this year has produced the following. Uh, 95 at-bats, 15 hits. So 15 for 95, uh, which equates to a 158 batting average, a 
21 on base percentage, yeah. a 463 OPS. They've scored 11 runs from the leadoff spot this season. That is absolutely, absolutely dreadful. Um, and, you know, so that certainly, from a statistical standpoint, outlines or kind of uh, illustrates the, the need for more production and the need to probably do something differently here uh, because that is just simply, if that continues, they will not get to where they want to go. And you look at the production from pretty much every other spot, and it's been, you know, it ranges from acceptable to pretty good. But leadoff has just been, is, has been absolutely horrible. And then to go back to Herrera, like you were talking about, you know, just to kind of give you a, a, a different way to put this into context, he's been very good, at least from an offensive standpoint at the plate. And still, Philly center fielders so far this year are hitting only 203 with a 655 OPS. So you take Herrera out of the equation and just absolutely, absolutely terrible. And so you look at this and. If you don't want Odubel Herrera to hit leadoff, which I do not, I've explained my position on that numerous times, and Gene Segura is not getting it done, and you don't want to put Kyle Schwarber back into the you know into the leadoff spot, then then who's left? And if JT Realmuto is struggling, it's it's not him. So yeah, I mean Bryce Harper does become an option, but I just think there's something to it with him where he won an MVP hitting third. It's where he wants to hit. You know, does he go in and say, I get it, but I just don't want to do it? And and I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I had this conversation with with, uh, with Junior, and, you know, you know he's, the, he's, the, he's the baseball whiz in the family, not me. Um, and he, and he, he said uh, temporarily, don't, you don't have to do it for the full, full year, but he would do the same thing. He would go Harper. He'd keep Hoskins at two because he thinks, he thinks, he thinks Hoskins will get on base still. Um, whether he whether the batting average and the power come, who knows? Uh, he's a very streaky hitter, but he still thinks he'll get on base. Uh, those numbers will go up. He does have 12 walks and 93 plate appearances. That's that's not terrible. Um, and then he would bat Cassiano's three, Schwarber four, and then you can go Real Muto, Bohm, and at the bottom you can go Gregorius, Segura, Odubel. I, I, I think it balances the lineup a little bit better. And he, you know, even if, even if, it, like I said, even if it's for just a few weeks until you get guys going again, and it's like, okay, now we can try something else. But you put Schwarber, Schwarber is your right now your best power hitter. You put him in the best power spot, the drive-in runs. He's leading the team in homers and RBIs. Let him continue to do that. Don't put him at the top, and and put your best player at the top who's going to find a way to get on base, which is what Bryce Harper does. He leads the team in hits, I think, or he's second in hits behind Castellanos. Um, it makes a lot of sense for right now. I'm not saying it's something you do all year, but for right now, it, it certainly does seem like, you know, that that's the way that the Phillies should go. So I, I guess to, to put a bow on this, it comes back to the, the following question. Is this offense going to be what people felt that this offense was going to be a month ago? Is this going to finish up as a, a top five offense? Are they going to be able to rely on this offense once we get into the summer and you go down the stretch? And we know that this is supposed to be the strength of the team. This is how this team has been financially constructed, you know, for the offense to be what drags it across the finish line. There is enough here that looks good from a team-wide standpoint, at least in relation to the rest of the league, where you say, yeah, there's a lot to be encouraged about. 
But then I look at some of the individual performances and the guys that you're relying on, and I go, wow, these numbers are troubling. So I guess that's where I kind of come back. Like, I am not looking at this on a night-to-night -night basis. I keep just saying to myself, can this team, as constructed, make a push to get into the postseason? And when I look at individual parts, I have I have questions about it. And that's that's where I keep coming back to at this point. Well, they're they're third in the national well, tied for second, actually, in the National League in home runs. Right? So you say you say, how is this team gonna produce like we thought they would? Even if they're kind of inconsistent, they're still hitting the ball out of the ballpark, mm -hmm. right? And in a year when home runs are down right now because of the ball, and obviously that's gonna that will course correct as they fix the ball later in the year. But, um, but I mean that at least that much you sit there and go, okay, they're second in the National League in home runs. They're I think they're third in the National League in RBI. So they're they're knocking in runs um, when they're given the opportunity to do so. Um, and like you mentioned, they're fourth in Major League Baseball in OPS, even though it's not a great number. It is what it is in, in today's game. Um, you know, if you're somebody who's even more into the more advanced stats, like OPS plus, because that kind of gives you a little bit more, right? I mean, I think it goes. It goes. Um, Yankees are 120. They lead lead the majors. I think the Phillies 113 is like fifth or sixth or something like that. I mean, it's not. It's not too far behind. So, yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like, we're sitting here talking about the inconsistency of it, and, and there is inconsistency. But how much more inconsistency? I mean, you could be even more, obviously, 26 teams are more wildly inconsistent than the Phillies right now. So maybe it's not as bad as we as we think it is. Maybe it's because, you know, we're watching it so closely and intently that we that we are nitpicking a little bit more um, when you really look at everybody else and say, wow, maybe it's not as bad as, as we think it is. Yeah, it probably is, and I think the frustration just comes down to the fact that fans are excited. People felt like this is going to be the year, this is a different team, and when you don't get the a different result in these key series, there's going to be there's going to be frustration. There's going to be frustration when you only win two of your first seven series. There's going to be frustration when you can't seem to put it all together. There's going to be frustration when the manager in spots where you expect him to kind of come out and show some life doesn't. There's going to be frustration when you watch a game on Sunday night where it seemed like every shift that the Phillies put into place, they got beat on, you know, which is interesting. I, I pointed this out during the game on Sunday night. I, I tweeted about this, but the Phillies got eaten alive on Sunday night with their shifts defensively. And it's interesting that nobody talks about the shift in Philadelphia anymore now that Joe Girardi's a manager, but it was a fixation when uh, the previous guy was here. It was like, oh, these stupid shifts and, you know, all this data and all this. They, they get beat on shifts quite quite often yeah. and it's it's just something that doesn't get talked about to be honest with you I haven't I haven't done a deep dive into it I'm not I'm not prepared to talk about it in depth but it's just a thing that I've started to notice with more frequency lately where I'm like wow had they played that straight up that wouldn't have happened you know and so I'm starting to revert back to that I'm like I, here we go with this conversation again there's just a lot going on where you, you I get it like I get the frustration you, you watch Jose Alvarado. I actually wanted to ask you about this. So Jose Alvarado gets out of a tight spot on Saturday night and kind of keeps the game within reach. They end, they end up winning the game. And then Girardi goes back to him in the same spot again on Sunday night. Is that like a, hey, you're really pressing your luck situation there? I, well, that I was, think so. <laughs> or or do you say, well, listen, it worked the night before, so what else is he going to do? Yeah, no, I, I think it's more pressure luck because I'm not – but that's me because I'm not a fan of Jose Alvarado. I think that he's – one day good, two days bad kind of thing, right? I mean, that's, you know, 
he doesn't really impress me ever anytime he comes in. Uh, I'll give him credit for when he brought him in. You know, and I, I think Girardi made the right move there, kind of saves them, saves the Phillies um, at that point because if they give up runs there, they probably don't come back and win that game Saturday. So right. in, in a lot of ways, you know, you got to give give the manager credit for the move. I, I don't ever have any confidence instilled in me anytime I see Jose Alvarado come into a game. Um, but so yeah, so like I, I think it's you know when he goes to him the next night in the same spot, I'm still expecting disaster, right? I mean, <laughs> so I don't have any, I don't have any. And it's amazing too. Like, yeah. obviously the control stuff is a, is an issue. He can be fat at times in the zone where you go, how does this stuff not not play? You know, but he comes in and I mean he splits the plate with a 99 mile an hour fastball and the catcher gets crossed up with him and um you know listen. That's going to happen, but what a spot for that to happen in. Yeah. And, you know, it's just an absolute killer sequence there. And, again, it just – I think, you know, you watch a team every single night, every single day, and you pick them apart because it's what you, you intently watch. And things happen all across baseball. Offenses go cold. Starters don't pitch deep. Bullpens blow games. But when you watch this team, it just still feels disjointed. And it's like you're just waiting and waiting for everything to sort of fire on all cylinders here. And it just – it is not. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you on that, and the, I get frustrated too just watching it. And um, I, I just think I just I tend to be a little bit more patient a person with 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 baseball. Um, maybe not so much other sports. I'm, I'm more of the what have you done for me lately in the other sports. But for whatever reason, and I think it's just the, the just the, the length of the season, maybe or or I, maybe I've seen it so many times before in the sport. I tend to be a little bit more patient with guys and with and with teams in this sport than any other, um, maybe that's me. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm off. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to wake up and smell the roses. But um, I tend to just be like, yeah, I see what you're saying, but I'm not worried about it yet. I'll, I, maybe I will at some point, but right now I'm not. And, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, talk to me in a week. If this is not a good week for them, you know, if they, if they play like they did against the Mets this weekend and, you know, go one and three, yeah, next Monday I might have a different tune, right? I mean, but I I think that as of right now, I'm, I can always look at I can always look at the what's coming, and say I can I can conceivably see this group doing X Y Z in the next number of games, and and everything be okay again. So until well, I until I can't see that, then I'm I'm probably going to be a little bit more patient, a little bit more hedgy. I, I guess so this week you have the eight and 14 uh, Texas Rangers coming to town. And I believe you have Ranger Suarez and John Gray tonight. Uh, and I believe it's Perez Wheeler tomorrow night. Yeah. Uh, and then, so that means, I guess if you have Wheeler on Wednesday, you will not see Zach Wheeler pitch against the Mets uh, this, this weekend in a four game set, uh, which is unfortunate for the Phillies. Uh, but of course you'll see Max Scherzer go for the Mets. You could never miss Max Scherzer when, when his team comes to town, it feels like, um, I think the Phillies have faced Max Scherzer 82 times over the last three seasons. <laughs> it seems That's, like it, right? It does. It does feel that way. Um, so I'll just ask you this. Uh, we will, we will do our next show, I guess, after the opener of the Mets series. Uh, so you know, what do you expect to see this week? What do you expect to see, you know, these next three games? 
two out of three acceptable? Does that kind of put you back on, and you say, okay, like we're, we're good here. You know, you're back at 500 there. Is, is that, you know, going into the final three games with the Mets, do you feel good about that? I mean, you know, this is the thing. We do these shows twice a week, and so you kind of have to take it chunk by chunk at this point. And so what is a reasonable, uh, you know, expectation for what lies ahead here? Um, I, I, I will be very disappointed if they lose one to Texas. I will. I mean, it, the, Texas stinks. They got a couple of players who can hit the ball, but their pitching is as dreadful as it gets. And and you're playing at home. I mean, it's kind of this. This has to look. These two games, Bob, to me, have to look like the Colorado series. Um, it's probably not the end of the world if they split them. Um, but at the same time, it's like you don't want that kind of. Like you want to go into that Mets series again, kind of feeling like, all right, here we go. You know, we're, we're feeling it now. We're we're rolling a little bit. We'll, we'll have won seven of nine, right? At that point, if you win these two games against the Rangers, you look at it and go, we're seven and two going into this four big four-game series at home against the Mets. So I need to see that. I need to see them win these two games. And, and, then, I mean, and, and then the Mets, they need to they need to at least split. Uh, I won't be thrilled with a split. I won't be pissed about a split. Um, but I really want to see three out of four. I mean, listen, for me, you better find a way. You better find a way to go four and two over the next six. Because yeah. let me just tell you, you project this thing out. And I don't want to do the, the NFL schedule release exercise. But then you finish up with the Mets and then you fly out west and you go play Seattle for three. Where, you know, Mariners are a decent team. I believe they're a game over 500 right now, but they're seven and two at home. Yeah. So good home team out west. Probably going to be an issue. And then you have to go into L.A. for four and play with the Dodgers. And in recent years, that has not worked out well for the Phillies. And so then that becomes a concern. And then you come back home and you see the Padres and the Dodgers. And then you go out to Atlanta for four. And then the Mets for three. And then you have the Giants at home. And guess what? That's the month of May. And none of the teams in any of the contexts that I just mentioned is even remotely a, a series where you can kind of take a deep breath and say, all right, this is the one where we sweep. So the Phillies have not won series to this point, and the way that this May schedule sets up is not particularly favorable. So you have an opportunity here this week to do some damage, pay back the Mets, get a couple easy ones against the Ragers, you better take advantage of it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I, I mean, I'm not telling you that it's not – it's important. This is an important week. But I think what we were doing is that we were, we were looking at it when we looked at it at the end of last week, we looked at it as, you know, the Mets, the Rangers, the Mets. I think we kind of combined the the two to kind of together because there were so many games against New York, right? And so, like, and that's kind of why I'm, I'm kind of there right now um, and want to wait and see. But, yeah, I, I think that this kind of ties in. In a lot of ways, I think we can I think we can put the two weeks together, Bob, last week and this week in the end. And, and that's why I was saying earlier, you know, if you say if you're 9-4 and four after these 13 games – are you cool with that? I would be. Even if yeah. Well, so you asked me if if at the end of April the Phillies were five hundred, would you sign up for that? And I said, yeah, of course. Yeah. So let me ask you this right now. Here we are, May third. At the end of May, if the Phillies were five hundred, would you be cool with that? Yeah, because of the schedule, because of how tough yeah. it is. And 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 that's not that's not me just being like, oh, okay, I'm happy with five hundred baseball. No, because the schedule lightens up, you know, later a little bit later in the season. But May is a tough month schedule wise, and so if you come through this month, right, right now they're game what they're game under, so you got you got to get through the month and probably play you know a game over two games over against a lot of really good teams to to be five hundred at the end of the month. I'm cool with it, and it probably keeps you still in the race. You're probably still within four four and a half games, 
if you're a 500 team uh, at the end of the month. And then, you know, then you start looking at June, and June's schedule starts to line up a little bit. You're like, oh, okay, well, now I can start to see some, you know, uh, 600 baseball in here, right? I can start to see these games where, they, where they're winning 6 out of 10 uh, or even 7 out of 10 sometimes, depending on who your p- opponent is. And that's where you can make up some hay um, in the race. Even if, it, even if you're not getting closer to the top of the division, you're probably separating yourself in a, in a, in a wild card race, right? So I, I think that that's really how you got to look at it. Get through May, survive May. And then, you know, use June and July as your launching board into the into the trade deadline and see if there's anything you could do to improve the team at that point. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. And I guess that's probably what my expectation is uh, right now as well. And I'll be honest with you. I don't I don't have too much more uh, to, to go through on this show because it's like a for me, I think I'm just in the zone of prove it. You know, like, let's see more. You know, you got to show me more. Well, I, 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 have, I have a question. I have a question for you. I have a yeah. question. For, I'll, I'll give you one. It's kind of like a, kind of the prove it uh, category there. Um, Didi, we haven't really talked much about Didi uh, so far this season. Um, you know, there was a real belief at the end of the year last year that you know this guy wasn't even going to be in consideration for a starting job. Um, now seems to be now seems to be the guy at shortstop on a regular basis. He's hitting okay. I mean, he's not tearing the world up. He's not crushing the ball out of the ballpark, but he's at least you know got a lot of some. He's got some singles up the middle, which is nice. So he's not you know yanking the ball in the right field all the time. Um, where are you at with Didi at this point? And and do you think it's something that you know what he's given you so far? Something that's sustainable over the long haul for the year? Uh, I mean, he's been okay, right? I mean, he's he's been fine. Uh, no pop. You know, yeah. that would be the one thing that that kind of has stuck out to me thus far. I mean, I, I think he has four doubles. Is he homer yet? Yeah, I don't believe he has. Um, and so he's been okay, you know? And I think he's done enough for the time being to keep a loose grip on his job. Uh, I still think that it's something that the Phillies have to consistently evaluate. But he's done enough where I at least say he might not be a train wreck. You know, it, th- that there might be a little bit of bounce off of a really down year last season. Yeah, and that's a good thing, I think. And, you know, and a lot of because we we weren't sure, you know, who was going to be. You know, is it going to be Bryson Stott? Uh, is he going to be the guy? Man, you're going to rely on a on a rookie probably who isn't. You know, we didn't think that like this was his year. We kind of thought maybe at some point, but then next year would be his year. Um, man, you're relying on a lot there for him to come in and and be the guy because like, there's a lot of you know real uncertainty. Um, about what was going to happen with that position that didn't really excite you for this season as a competitive team. So to have Didi be able to play the way he's played and, and show some veteran moxie uh, and to be part of a, of a lineup that could, that could be good over the course of the season, I think, that that's, I think it's been an underrated positive for the Phillies to this point. Yeah. I, now you just need to get Gene Segura to not have the 2021 D.D. Gregorius season. Right. You know? And and one thing I will point out now that you bring up D.D. Gregorius is check Bryson Stott's uh, progress last night, actually. And since he's gone down there, I will say uh, I believe he's uh, hitting a shade over 300. He has four extra base hits and 25 plate appearances. So it's nice to see him go down to AAA. And, you know, sometimes how that goes, there's a letdown. You're disappointed. You kind of go, oh, I can't believe I'm back here after I was up at the start of the season. And guys just totally shut it down and they really struggled. And to his credit, he's gone down there and he's swung the bat pretty well. 
So I do think that you're going to see him again at some point, probably in the next month or so. I don't know how much longer he stays down there. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, do the Phillies need to carry six outfielders? I mean, I think that they're only doing it right now because Harper can't play out there. And one, yeah. Once Harper gets cleared, I'm going to assume that Veerling goes down because I think that they like the notion of Roman Quinn as a defensive replacement, pinch runner, you know, make something happen with his legs kind of thing. So I think Veerling ends up going back down. Um, and I think that that's the point. You say, well, who, well, who would come up? And, well, it could be Stott at that point. And, and that, makes some, that makes some sense. Yeah, that's something to keep an eye on. I don't think that the Phillies probably at this point threw 39 at-bats for Matt Veerling, uh, Matt Veerling and a uh, 424 OPS. <laughs> you talked about OPS plus earlier. Yeah. How about a 28 OPS plus <laughs> right now for Matt Veerling this morning? Yeah, so, that's, that's not good. Uh, you know, not, not a great start for him. So, yes, I would say that his time is probably short in Philadelphia unless there's a dramatic change here uh, in the coming days. Yeah. Um, so one last thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you look at the first month of the season. You say, okay, there were some, there were some pleasant surprises around baseball. There were some uh, teams that disappointed a little bit, um, and there were some teams that kind of, you know, were what they were because that's what you expected out of them, right? But did anyone kind of foresee what ter- what has happened in Cincinnati this year? <laughs> I, I this could be the worst team. Ever, and I'm not. Well, I'm, I know. I don't. I, that is saying that's a heavy thing for me to say, Bob. But they're three and nineteen, and they have they have zero redeeming qualities on this roster. Zero. I mean, they're probably going to trade Votto. I would think before the end of the year, some he'll go somewhere to try and win a championship. Outside of that, they got nothing. Nothing, and. And I don't know how they win any. I, don't, I really don't know. They might stay literally might break the record for most losses in a season. They are that bad. Holy hell! Did I, and they were they were a contending team last year. What yeah, happened? These, yeah, uh, I mean three and nineteen, one thirty six win percentage. They're eleven and a half games out of first place in the Central already. Twenty two games into the season, which is almost impossible. They've lost six straight games. One and nine in their last ten. Their run differential. I always like to look at run differential. I think it's a fairly decent yeah. indicator of a team's capabilities. Like yes. the, the Phillies wake up this morning, and they're plus eight. So they're eleven and twelve. The expected win loss twelve and eleven. So they're they're within range of where they ought to be. And then you kind of go through baseball and you see the Mets are really good, plus thirty four over in the American League. The Yankees plus forty two, and then you look at the Reds at minus sixty. In 22 games. Minus 65 in 22 games. I mean, that means that they're getting, on average, beat by three runs per game. <laughs> that's that's virtually impossible. And, I mean, when you look at it, they are 1-15 against teams that are playing over 500. And they have been absolutely terrible. And, I mean, you look at it just in terms of both offensively and in terms of pitching. In the NL Central alone... They have the least amount of runs scored, and they have by far given up the most runs. In fact, if you go all across the National League, I believe they are dead last in runs scored. They are. And I believe that they have allowed the most runs. Yes, they have. So, I mean, they are by far the worst team in baseball. I mean, crazy bad. Uh, That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to me that that a team can get that bad that quick. You know, I just – 
it's just it's just and I know that they made a couple moves. You know, I made the, they made the one trade with uh, with Seattle where they sent um, Winker and and uh, Suarez out there, right? Okay, so you traded some two two decent players out there, but again, they were they were a decent team over the last couple of years. I just don't know how you just give up on that and just say screw it, we're going to be the worst team in baseball and start all over. Not that they have a lot coming in their farm system either. I mean, they really don't. I mean, you look at that farm system; it's just kind of like, uh, what's next? I mean, man, that's going to be a that's going to be a, a a long, long season in Cincinnati. I think that they might break the 120 loss record, um, and I think it's going to be a long way back for them. I really do. 20 losses. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it may arguably be the worst team in professional sports, maybe the most poorly run team in professional sports right now. I, I think that they're probably sitting at the top of the list, and if they're not there yet, uh, they probably soon will be. And, and, real qu- and real quick, conversely, you know, you looked at a team like Oakland who sold off absolutely everyone, right, and, and in the offseason. Fans were so pissed and nobody's going to the games, only getting 3,000 people at their games. They've actually been okay. They've actually, they're actually like in contention in the American League West right now. Yeah, they're hanging around. I, I don't know uh, what that team like. They've lost four in a row, so like I, I will see. You know, with them, yeah. That, that team has a way of not falling off a cliff like you expected to. I actually, the biggest surprise for me out west is the Angels. Yeah. You know, the, the Angels, I feel like, are the American League Phillies and sort of have been for forever now. It's like. Oh, hey, listen, they got they went out and they signed this player, whether it be Rendon or, you know, Tani's certainly worth worth the draw. And but God, they just don't win. And every year they're just so disappointing. And so to see them get off to a nice start here in the early going is is interesting. And I believe you'll actually see them in Philadelphia, if I'm not mistaken, in the beginning of June. Yeah, they do so come here. So you'll see Mike Trout uh, come, back, come back home. Uh, in the beginning of June, so uh, kind of kind of interested to see how the Angels do if they can finally break through and, and get into the postseason because uh, you know that's an organization that has tried, uh, an organization that has spent some money but has just not been able to break through. Yeah, and I got one last stat for you. I think you'll just get a, just get a kick out of this because you know me. I like to I like to troll the San Francisco Giants any chance I get. <laughs> uh, you know, Darren Ruff was last year a like, big big part of their. Uh, of their success story last year, right? As a role player, uh, sure. he had 16 home runs um, as a part-time outfielder. I think his OPS was over 900. Like, he was he was solid. Playing every day at first base for the first time in his career, he does not have a home run yet this season. Yeah, uh, it's been a, a tough start for him. <laughs> it's, been rough, it's been a rough start. Yeah, yeah, one one eighty one. I believe he's hitting. It hasn't hurt the team overall. Though. No, they're winning. They're still winning. Eight this morning. Okay. I mean, they're they're rolling right along. That NL West is just is is tough, man. And I mean, even the Rockies getting swept in Philadelphia. They're thirteen and nine this season. I mean, even the Diamondbacks, who were aren't good. That's that that's not a very good team. But they're even hanging in there. Well, they, you know, they're, they're not good. But they have the thing about the Diamondbacks. The one thing I will give them credit for is. They have some young talent that's not like, you know, all-star talent that's kind of like good good building block pieces to put around all-star talent, and they're just letting them play. They're just saying, yeah, hey, man, get out there and play. And you got, you got guys that are just going out there and doing a, doing a decent job for them, you know, and that's, that's, the, that's why you sit there and say, yeah, they, they stink, but they, but they hang in games. How do they win? Well, it's, it's because of that. It's because of the kinds of players that they have around 
that aren't the greatest but really aren't terrible. I mean, you know, Christian Walker, for example, right? I mean, he's not yeah. hitting. I mean, I think his batting average is terrible, but he's got he's got five home runs. You know, um, you know Dalton Varsho. I'm just going to guys who are, um, you know, connected to Philly. I mean, Walker's from here. Dalton Varsho, obviously, he's named after Darren Dalton because his dad was a Philly's bench coach or, or third base coach for a while. Um, you know, he's got ten RBIs. Kind of, you know, yeah. you know, they they're, 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 they got some players. They got some like little, you know, who, if you put a star or two out there, these guys would be nice supporting pieces. Hey, and uh, real quick while we're on it before we shut it down here, speaking of uh, former Phillies or people with uh, Phillies connections, here's a stat line for you. 13 games pitched, 12 innings pitched, posing hitters are uh, batting 143. Uh, let's see here. I'll keep going. Um, I, I think I know who it is, but go ahead. Keep going. Let's see. Uh, one run allowed. <laughs> and uh, do I have a whip? Oh, 0.58 whip. It sounds a lot like Hector Neris. That would be Hector Neris. <laughs> uh, I liked Hector, and uh, I would not have been opposed to bringing Hector Neris back. I did not foresee that stat line, but perhaps perhaps uh, Phillies fans should have seen that coming. But uh, he has been fantastic. And he and it's because he's not closing. Yeah. He's not closing for that. He has not, not even one save opportunity yet for, for the Astros. 13 games, and he's coming in 6th, 7th, 8th inning only. Yeah, and he's done, and he's been lights out, man. He's been awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, he's 13, 13 appearances. He's been scored on once. I just, you know, yeah. small sample size, I guess. You know, work that in there. But he's been awesome for them. Yeah. So keep that in mind as you're watching the Phillies parade out there with the uh, league's, I believe, eighth highest bullpen ERA right now. So <laughs> put a nice bow on the show. That's just, as you as you're one to do, Bob. Yes, I am. Yeah, we're back. We're back. That positive podcast through the uh, Rocky series. You know, couldn't couldn't run two back to back. If you look at the titles of our shows over the last three or four years, there's never two in a row where you're like, oh, this is going to be happy. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's really kind of interesting. You know, the bullpen. It, it's weird. It's been fine. It's been fine. But it's it's, it's weird. Fine. It's a weird bullpen. Like Ken has been good, right? We know that uh, he's got easier closer. His numbers are, are pretty solid. Dominguez has been a you know really nice you know other than the one game where he gave up a couple of runs he's been really good. Um, Brad Hand's been mostly good um, for for them. Um, and then then you get to start some other guys like you know Norwood been okay, Bellotti been okay, Alvarado even though I don't like him been okay. I mean and then you have Juris Familia who stinks. Uh, Nick Nelson, who stinks. Uh, you know, these guys, you, you bring them in, you know, St. Christopher Sanchez, he stinks. Uh, um, you know, whoever whoever comes into the lineup at those, you know, in, in those spots. So, yeah, they, you know, some, there's been a few guys who've pulled down the bullpen, but there's a few guys who've actually been pretty solid out in the bullpen. Yeah, I agree. So, we'll it's, it's, an interesting, it's, it's an interesting mix right now. Too early for me to make any sweeping judgments about the bullpen. I, I agree. Nobody's got more than Probably 10 in the- not a massive issue for this team right now. Yeah. All right, let's wrap it up. So we got two with the Texas Rangers uh, this week before a big four-game series with the Mets. We'll be back on Friday morning to yep. break down what we've seen throughout the middle of the week here. For Anthony Sanfilippo, I'm Bob Wankel. Be sure to follow Crossed Up, uh, the podcast, anywhere that you get your podcast: Spotify, Apple, Google. Follow us on YouTube, all that good stuff, and we'll talk to you guys soon.